one of the key benefits of hiring locally based talent can't be overlooked and the number of organizations that do overlook it because cost is a key consideration are actually missing the the longer term benefits as a result of that b2b has the potential to be electrifying but the industry is paralyzed by a culture of conservatism scared stiff in a straitjacket of rational ideas it's time for change it's time to make b2b marketing visceral Join us as we uncover and explore the truth with leading B2B marketers. This is B2B Marketing, the provocative truth. Hello and welcome to B2B Marketing, the provocative truth. I'm Benedict and today I'm joined by Simeon Lando, who is CMO at um, payment tech provider Form3. Simeon, a very, very warm welcome. Thank you. Great to be here, Benedict. Wonderful. Now, I'm, I'm confident I got your company name right because I can see it on your T-shirt that you're wearing today. But did I do justice in terms of explaining it as a payment tech provider? Or have I got completely the wrong end of the stick there? No, you're right. We're um, the account-to-account uh, payment uh, technology provider. And, you know, we work with many of the world's leading um, banks and financial institutions. Wonderful. And today, I mean, you talked about sort of uh, the world's leading financial institutions. Um, today, we're going to be talking about that difficult balance when you're moving into a new market. Uh, how much do you need to retain a global approach and how much do you actually need to think very, very locally? But before we get into sort of the details of that, um, I suppose I'm interested you on a sort of in an individual level. What is your approach when you're a tourist and you're going to a new country? Are you one of those people that make sure you've got a few expressions um, locked down? Or are you one of those people that speaks English just a little bit louder? Well, I, I do try my best, but I think it's mostly to the amusement of my family <laughs> when I do try to get engaged in the, uh, the local language. So uh, I think the locals appreciate my efforts. But it just uh, adds fuel to the fire of my family making fun of me, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> to answer your question, I do try my best. At the moment. Uh, and I, I, can, I can relate to that. I do also try my best, but to varying degrees of success. Um, and there are just some times when no matter how many times I rehearse uh, the word, it escapes me when I'm actually put on the spot in the restaurant. But we'll see whether that is a good sort of analogy for the conversation that we're talking about um, today. Um, now, as I said, this is all about looking at what the right approach is when you're moving into a new market. And specifically, I think that the role that marketing has to play within that. Now, to kick us, kick us off, I want to give you a provocative truth, which I'm, to be honest, you might actually disagree with, but very, very interested to hear, um, hear your thoughts. But in an increasingly sort of digital and global world, is actually it overstated that importance of understanding the local nuance and acting locally. Is that something you'd agree with or disagree with? I completely disagree with it. There we go. Perfect. We've got disagreement. Yeah. That's that's what I was hoping for. <laughs> yeah, and I think you know one of the one of the most important things is that the fact that digitization of marketing or the fact that there are more more and more digital channels that are opening up or the fact that there are sub-channels within digital marketing, and the fact that the world is becoming smaller, I guess, because of digital capabilities, doesn't mean that the needs and wants of customers in those local markets 
or the culture or the language as a minor detail or the legislation from a marketing perspective. So, you know, take GDPR in the UK, take can spam in Canada. Mm-hmm. There are so many different types of legislation, so many different um, things that you need to think about that being based in the UK and just assuming that you can market to any country in the world and replicate the success you may have had in your in your home market is incredibly naive and, mm-hmm. and certainly would not set you up for success. Well, despite my delivery of the product of truth, I do agree with you on that particular front. So if we're going to talk, because I think that there's the language aspect, which is it's almost a technical thing that you need to get right um, in terms of uh getting sure that it's translated, not trying to sort of be autocratic in trying to put forward English. But when it comes to cultural nuance, that is something which I think is a little bit more of an art. From your experience, when you've been moving into new markets, what is that process that you go through as a marketer to appreciate that cultural nuance? So just before I answer the the question on culture, I also think Mm. language, even the same type of language, is is important not to overlook so and i guess mm-hmm. you're, you're probably um wondering where i'm going with this and, and in particular english english and american english mm-hmm. yeah, because so many companies have maybe started in the uk and are going into america or the other way around and when it comes to business to business you also need to make a clear decision as to the language that you're working in in that local market and ensuring you're consistent in that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think that's, that's an important factor right at the beginning, not to overlook answering your question around culture. Culture is, um, is an incredibly complex thing to understand. And I think one of it, and it's so complex to understand, that again, a a mistake that a number of companies make, and one of the reasons they make it is because they want to keep their costs down as much as possible, is not setting up a a local marketeer, someone who's actually based in in that local market. Um, And the reason that it's so important to, to get someone who is locally based isn't just because of the time zone difference if you're going between continents in particular, but is because that person, if they are from that that area or they're based there, they might not have they might not necessarily have come from that uh, that particular place, but they've been there long enough and worked there long enough to have a very good appreciation of the culture, that they will be able to ensure that the nuances that you might not fully appreciate coming from a different continent are um, incorporated when it comes to how you're going about engaging with your target audience. And, you know, culture reflects a whole variety of different things. Mm -hmm. It could be understanding quite simply that if you were to um, email or send out a campaign to Israel on a Friday afternoon, you're not really going to get anyone responding because in Israel, their weekend is is Friday and Saturday. Likewise, 
um, if you were to engage in English in a market that either doesn't speak English well or sees it as a, um, not so much as an insult, but sees, you, sees them being looked down on by you're not using their own language, then that also will will impact how you're perceived. Um, so there are a whole host of different things. And also the way in which people live their lives um, in, in these different markets as well. It's not all the, the nine to five culture that, that people um, you know, understand in, in the UK and in um, and in America, you know, that uh, in many instances, people might start their day later. They might um, work later on into the evening. They might have different ways in which they travel to work. So as a result of that, there are different times of the day, in particular when it comes to digital uh, marketing that you want to engage. Mm -hmm. um, and also, you know, <laughs> you have the the naive approach when it comes to time zones. And if you are sending out a um, a marketing, a digital marketing campaign in particular, at a particular time globally, just because you're based in one time zone, doesn't mean that that's also the optimal time to send it out in other time zones. But really having a a really good understanding and appreciation for the local culture is super important when it comes to optimizing engagement with your target audience. And as I said, one of the, the key benefits of hiring locally based talent mm -hmm. can't be overlooked. And the number of organizations that do overlook it because cost is a key consideration are actually missing the, the longer term benefits as a result of that. Absolutely. And I'd be interested to know what level of autonomy that you feel that those um, people in the local market should be given, because I think that there is always a, a tension between at a global level, there is a brand identity, there's a set of brand priorities, a set of brand messaging, and there needs to be that consistency because that's what brand is about. But as you've rightly said, at a local level, there does need to be that nuance introduced. And the two are sort of in conflict with one another so in light of that tension or that conflict what sort of autonomy do you feel is appropriate for somebody in a local market to have when it comes to deciding on messaging deciding on tone of voice for instance so i think there is a an importance of creating a foundation from a positioning and messaging perspective that is adhered to globally um, and, you know, a brand narrative as an example. Mm -hmm. But then I also believe it's important to give the empowerment and freedom to those locally based marketeers to then localize it in a way that will maximize the impact in that local market. Um, there are a, a number of organizations that are quite adamant in mandating one approach as to how they engage local markets and again i think that's a significant lack of experience mm. in understanding how to maximize impact and in particular how to maximize business impact from a marketing approach um, so if you're hiring the right type of people in local markets you can and should be confident that the output that they're generating 
from localizing the central or the foundation approach will ultimately have the biggest impact. Mm. So, um, you know, again, it all comes back to the recruitment of the right people. Uh, And one thing that I've always found, especially when you're recruiting marketeers in different markets, is to try and recruit people that you've worked with previously in those different markets or that come highly recommended to you. Mm -hmm. It makes life a lot easier. And I'm interested, you can either choose to answer both parts of this question or you could choose one or the other, but is there a time where it's gone badly, it's gone wrong when you've given someone too too much autonomy within a local market? And are there any examples of where you've just, it's, you've got it so right and actually it's been so illuminating for you because you've trusted that local marketer and they've been able to see something that you'd have just otherwise completely missed? Certainly, I think um, where it's gone right and mm. at form three, one of the things that I've been blown away with is following on from the hiring of of our local um, locally based um, marketing team member, the unprompted positive feedback from both our um, US CEO, from the head of product in the US, mm. and from several members of the US based sales team, has been unbelievable actually and I've, I've never received such unprompted positive feedback off the back of the impact that they are feeling that the this us based marketing team member is is having um and you know that really goes down to making sure that you're recruiting the right person and also that you're not just recruiting them from a marketing only perspective you're recruiting them as someone who understands the importance of collaborating across the other teams and with the senior stakeholders in those other teams in the local market and actually getting those people involved in the Mm -hmm. recruitment process as well Um, and that's why you know at form three we're we're delighted with with how that's going and i'm i'm as i said blown away with um with the unprompted feedback that that i'm getting um, which is which is fantastic um as far as where it's gone wrong i think um Asia in particular mm-hmm. is an incredibly challenging environment and it's an incredibly challenging environment for a couple of reasons. One, the geographic distance of the markets. Secondly, the significant cultural differences of the markets. And thirdly, the Latin, the significant number of languages that are mm-hmm. spoken in those different markets as well, depending obviously on which specific countries you, you want to um, enter into. Uh, and maximizing impact in all of those different countries through typically from a B2B organization, which would only be a couple of marketeers. Mm-hmm could be a team of five or six, but typically they're not that many marketeers that are based over there, is incredibly challenging. Mm. Um, and it's much harder, I think, to demonstrate marketing success in Asia for a company that is headquartered in the UK or Europe, should I say, and or the US because of the time zone, the time zone differences 
and as I said, all of those different factors. Um, so, so as I said, I haven't necessarily seen anything go badly, mm-hmm. but I am I am very aware of the significant challenges that are posed by entering into new markets yeah. in Asia and and the amount of challenges that a locally based marketing team would have in in Asia. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, um, I, I mean, I don't know which countries you're necessarily referring to, but I think one that would definitely come to mind is India, um, certainly from sort of the number of languages that are uh, spoken and also the diversity which exists within that that individual market. Now, I, I don't know whether India is one of the, the markets that you're sort of describing there, but um, I'm, I would like to get on to talking about how to demonstrate success. But almost before we get to that, although I think it will lead to it, when you are looking to enter a new market such as India with all of the complexity, what from your experience and learnings are those key steps that you need to go through in order to set yourself up for success? So you you really need to understand what the, the customer needs are in, in that market. I think that is, um, that is key. Mm-hmm. You need to understand what the decision-making process is in that market you need to understand who the decision makers and influencers are in that market you coming back to our earlier conversation need to get a a really good appreciation for the culture Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and what that means for how you go about marketing in that um in that particular geography or or, or specific market Um, and you you really need to um appreciate what success looks like as well mm. i think you know there are a number of a number of organizations that dive headlong into a new market and we've got to do this and we've got to do that without actually taking a step back and thinking well, what does success look like for us here mm. and what are the steps that we're going to put in place in order for us to achieve that that goal or those goals that, that we've set ourselves as to what success looks like um so and and part of all of that as well is hiring again to my earlier point Mm. hiring the right local resource to to give you that foothold and understanding of how you can be successful in that local market Um, it's also important to understand what your your competition is up to how Mm -hmm. they go about marketing um and and also ensuring that the company puts enough effort into understanding the market and demonstrating that they are serious about that market by actually showing up there as well. Yeah. There's too often a number of companies that aren't based in that market and have a very small presence in that market continue to try and run it from wherever they're based and very rarely, if ever, actually show up in that market as well, mm. um, which which is super challenging. Mm. Um, so there are a number of factors, and you know I think there's there's one other thing that's that's important to bear in mind as well when it comes to marketing. I think marketing is often missed out in the decision making process in the first place as to mm. whether or not the market that you want to go into is the right market for you and at that particular time and how you best set yourself up for success in that in that market it normally in many instances 
is after the decision's been made and at some point later, oh, there you go, guys, we're, um, we're entering into this particular market, over to you. Um, we need a, a complete brand awareness. Um, we need a really great understanding as to who we are and we need a really strong pipeline. And if you can do that by next Tuesday, that would be great. And that involvement in the upfront decision-making process about strategically where to go is, is something I really, really am interested in touching on. But just before we do that, um, I think you talked there about understanding the decision-making process, which is a, a, a fundamental part of, of, of marketing. And I think that there probably are assumptions that once you understand one decision-making process, you can extrapolate that across a number of different environments, which I think probably is is naive. So... From your experience, when you are looking, say, at an Asian market, how radically different is the decision-making process compared to, um, you know, a, a European decision-making process or the North American decision-making process? So in, I think in Asia in particular, in my experience, there are a lot more people involved in the decision-making mm-hmm. process than um, there are in the, you know, in Europe and or America. That isn't necessarily always the case, but it's, it's what I have have experienced, um, and I guess that comes back to one of the points I was making earlier that it's it's super important to get a really good understanding as to who the decision makers are and who the influencers are mm. as well. Um, so when you are engaging with a particular target audience, you are ensuring that you are engaging with all of the right individuals. Now the other thing to bear in mind there as well is that what one size doesn't fit all you can't mm-hmm. come up with a particular campaign and expect that it's going to have the same impact on all the decision makers and all of the influencers so you need to ensure that you're understanding the specific agendas of those different types of individuals mm-hmm. you're understanding what their needs and their challenges are and that's what we've done through a, a segmentation process to get a really good understanding of of who those individuals are and what, what drives them and what they need to be successful. And that you are engaging with them in different flavours yep. of campaigns. And those different flavours are tuned to who it is specifically that you're going after. But ultimately, it has the same base message. Yep. Um, so that that's really, really important. And do you think that that's an area, where, and I can imagine it might be, that... Um, a mistake a lot of brands make is that they will come into the market and they will think about maybe the decision-making process, but they will think about it in two, I suppose, literal or quantitative sense in terms of, okay, well, this is the budget holder. That's the person that puts the business case together. And this is someone that might have an opinion on it, for, for instance. And they don't go much beyond that. Um, whereas I was listening to you, I think that and you talked about flavors. I know you're talking about different flavors of campaigns, but it's almost like the flavor and the nuance, the qualitative understanding of what decision-making looks like within these these cultures. Do you think that that is a, a gap in the way that a lot of brands approach new market entry? Yeah, and I, and I simply think a lot of it is to do with a lack of understanding and a lack of, ex- which is driven by a lack of experience mm. in, in entering new markets. And look, it's not something you can just read in a textbook no. and think, oh, you know, there we are, that's how you do it. You've got to learn by mistakes and learn by your experience as well. Uh, and, and it's through that experience that you understand what you need to do. What are those um, building blocks that you need to, to put in place and in, what, in which order in order to give you the best chance of, of having the impact in that, 
um, in that mm. local market. One other thing as well, um, and again, it depends on the type of uh, target audience that you're after and the type of business that you're after. But um, there are you know, many, many companies that you are targeting uh, today in a particular geography are global in nature and will have franchises or have different parts of their organization in different countries around the world. And in many instances, part of that com- part of that company may already be a customer of yours mm. in a different market. And the opportunity to to create advocacy within those existing customer markets to help you build that awareness, to help you build that trust is something also that shouldn't go um, unnoticed and is, and is super important because, you know, if you're going and reaching out to new companies or organizations in new markets, the fact that they've never heard of you, the fact that if it's a new market, you may not have any other customers in that market yet as well. There's a credibility concern as well. Mm-hmm. So therefore, if you've got a part of that business that operates in another market where they are a customer of yours already, it's really powerful to be able to have advocates that can also um, talk on your behalf and support the propositions that you're going in with. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. And I, I said I'd like to sort of touch on, you know, the almost we, we rewind to the initial strategic decision to enter into a new market. And I'm surmising from what you've said there that marketing often aren't involved within that sort of decision-making process. Um, Now, I think that uh, from a bias perspective and an intuitive perspective, I think that there is a very strong argument for marketing to be involved. But I'd like to hear what would be the case that you would put forward for why marketing should be involved in that part of the decision-making process? You're talking about whether or not to enter a market. In the As first. in identifying which markets that a company should expand into, yes. Marketing from a strategic perspective plays an incredibly important role. And one of those uh, roles is actually identifying what the size of the prize is in the first place. Mm. And if marketing is brought in at the outset as part of the decision-making process, marketing tend to be very well placed to help uncover what the size of the prize is and um, whether or not it's worthwhile moving into that Mm. market in the first place and what chance of success that you have you know what's the untapped um, potential in the market or with a particular um, market event that might be happening um, or a transformation that is needed. You know, certainly in financial services, there's a huge amount of transformation that has, is, and will continue to be needed. Are there competitors out there, or are the financial institutions themselves very well placed to be able to do what needs to be done in, in mm-hmm. the first place? Or is there a unique capability that you're offering that means based on a market event or based on a transformation requirement, there are few, if any, other organisations out there that can offer what you can, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which would actually put you in a very strong position to start off with. And that, again, is based off the fact of engaging a an organisation around their needs and or challenges and actually saying this is the, the problem that you're solving for. 
But I think that it's the opportunity and being able to identify the size and scale of that opportunity, as you've rightly said. But also, if we think about almost a lot of what we've spoken about today, marketing a pretty well placed to be able to certainly offer a very valid input in terms of what's actually going to be required to make that a success. What are the unforeseen um, costs which might be involved in actually making sure that we do achieve what we're, we're set out to? So I think that having that perspective would be invaluable to that earlier um, sort of decision-making process. Um, so that was, that was a really nice way to, to conclude the, the, the podcast. But I think that if I'm to sort of reflect on the overall conversation, I think the main conclusion I've got is that um, moving into a new market it should not be underestimated. And really, there are no shortcuts. Um, you know, there's no shortcuts and there's no cost savings in terms of you need to have somebody on the ground to appreciate that local cultural nuance to make sure that they're able to engage in a way which is you know, appropriate for the local market. I don't think there's any shortcuts when it comes to actually the research that you need to do. You talked about the importance of making that assessment, understanding the buying decision, going through a segmentation and targeting exercise. These are actually big involved strategic activities which have to be done. And there are no shortcuts in terms of um, you need to look at that advocacy network that you have and making sure that everybody is, um, you know, saying saying the right things and opening the right doors for you. So, yeah, it's for me, it's if you're going to do it, you do it properly. Otherwise, you are going to fail fundamentally. And I think that there are probably that history is littered with examples of companies going in thinking that they would be able to apply what they'd done elsewhere and failed quite spectacularly. Um, so, yeah, no shortcuts, I think, probably is, is the conclusion. It is incredibly challenging. As you say, you know, the number of companies that ultimately fail to achieve their goal of, of landing in a new market is, is considerable. Well, thank you very much, Simeon. I think that was both incredibly insightful and also enjoyable to, to go through that. So yeah, it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast. Thanks a lot, Benedict. Likewise, really enjoyed it. B2B Marketing, The Provocative Truth is brought to you by Allen Agency. To find out more, head to allen-agency.com. You can stream B2B Marketing The Provocative Truth on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else great podcasts are found. And don't forget to click subscribe to ensure you don't miss out on any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Allen, thanks for listening.